0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with a heartwarming message, the family church. In light of the coronavirus pandemic, we will be bringing you a special service. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. The choir will open our service by singing, It is always darkest before the dawn. Have Jesse Nagel playing in the flute, day by day. Now Courtney Cook will come and sing above Here now is Chiz Ryder playing a medley of songs, a mighty fortress, victory in Jesus, and amazing grace on the trumpet. Now we have the Harris and McClellan families coming to sing My Lighthouse. I want to thank all our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful music. Our topic of our sermon is the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 verse number 5. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. Before we look at Philippians 2 5 and study the mind of Christ, we're going to study the context of Philippians 2 5 and really the context of the entire epistle to the Philippians. Before the Apostle Paul's trip to Jerusalem, where he was ultimately arrested, he met with the leaders of the church of Ephesus. He met with them at the city of Miletus, Acts chapter 20, verse 17. The city of Miletus is a town on the coast of modern-day Turkey, located about 36 miles from Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, Not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, the bonds and afflictions don't move me, neither do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Later, Paul is told by the prophet Agabus, Acts chapter 21, through a prophecy about what will happen at Jerusalem. He took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. After hearing the words of Agabus and seeing his own hands abound, those were with Paul even encouraged him. Not to go to Jerusalem. The apostle Paul was committed, determined, because none of these things will move him. Paul went to Jerusalem where he was arrested. Acts chapter 21 verses 27 to 38. And again, I encourage you to be reading these other cross-referenced verses of scripture. In fact, the Jews were ready to kill Paul, humanly speaking. They, they closed the door of the temple, and humanly speaking, they would have been successful, but the Roman centurion heard the uproar and interceded on Paul's behalf. We know and realize that God had a hand in it. It was, it was God's will, not for Paul to have died here and killed this point. That wasn't God's will. God interceded, and through the Roman centurion stopped the Jews. Remember, they closed the door. They didn't want to defile the temple. The Apostle Paul was sent from Jerusalem to Caesarea because there was a conspiracy regarding the Apostle Paul. This conspiracy involved some 40 Jewish Jewish assassins who had conspired to murder the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 23, verses 12 to 35. And since he had appealed to Caesar, he was sent to Rome. The book of Acts abruptly ends with Paul spending two years in his own hired house. So that literally he spent the last four plus years arrested because of what he taught. During his first Roman imprisonment, he is bound to a Roman soldier for two whole years. And even though he is bound, God through Paul wrote four epistles. The four epistles are Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians, and Philippians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Somewhere in those four books, there's a reference that he is either a prisoner or the word bonds. And he never considered himself a prisoner of Rome. He considered himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians 4.3 With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance, not a door of deliverance, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Philemon verse 10 I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds. And we know that Onesimus was led to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ while Paul was enduring his first Roman imprisonment. And also in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. But I would that you should understand, brethren, these things which happen unto me have fallen out, rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Listen, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. The gospel is being preached. Individuals were being saved. The gospel was going to new areas that had not gone before. Why? Because of and through Paul's imprisonment. So Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon were carried by Onesimus and Tychius. They, they, they were the ones who delivered those epistles from Rome to these individual, individual Philemon or cities, Colossae and Ephesus. And the book of Philippians was carried by the individual named Epapodirus. The, the context of the writing of the book of Philippians, it's disunity. There are two ladies, Jodius and Syntyche there was disunity amongst them, and that's really the background for writing the book of Philippians. And you need to understand, the issue in the book of Philippians is not that they're disagreeing about the deity of Christ. It's a disunity problem. The theme of Philippians, and we understand the importance of the word joy and rejoicing, but I believe the theme of Philippians is the mind, the mind of Christ. Read through Philippians, four chapters. And notice how many times you see the word mind, or minded, or like-minded. Here's an outline of Philippians chapter 2. The theme here is the Lord Jesus Christ, the believer's mind. Unity through being like-minded, verses 1 through verse 3. Unity through being other-centered, verse 4. Demonstrating the mind of Christ. The supreme example of this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, verses 5 through verse 11. The exhortation, the outworking of salvation, verses 12 to 16. And examples of the mind of Christ, verses 17 to verse number 30. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. If there be therefore any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind... Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. The word therefore in verse 1 goes back to Philippians 127, Only let your conversation be as become of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, and that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together working together for the faith of the gospel in the words if there in verses 1 through verse 3 it's not like if our our hypothetical if in the English language it's since in the original Greek language we have a first class conditional sentence expressing the condition as a fact these four things are a blessed reality How wrong for any saint to act if these four things were non existent? Negatively is disunity, strife and vainglory. Positively is unity, lowliness, esteem. That selfless mind, the sacrificial mind, the serving mind. Philippians chapter two verses four to five. Look not every man his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. In this passage, the Apostle Paul continues his discourse on being selflessness. His point is that if we are truly looking out for the interests of others, we will be exalting them and lowering ourselves, and this will facilitate unity in the body, in the local church, in the body of Christ. After exhorting the Philippian believers in verses 2-4, to and to think the same thing, to have the same love. To be in a heart agreement and loneliness of mind to consider one another as excelling themselves. Philippians 2.5 states, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This exhortation reaches back to Philippians 2.4 for its definition and looks ahead to Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8 for its illustration. The word look It means to set one's mind or heart upon, something to have understanding, to be wise, to direct one's mind to a thing, to seek or to strive, to fix the attention upon with the desire for and the interest in. The idea is not just to give a casual thought to something, but a thinking that involves the affection and will, as well as the reason Things are not material things. This is not keeping up with your neighbors. The things are the needs, the concerns of others. The mind of Christ. The supreme example of the mind of Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the supreme, the greatest, the preeminent, the cultivating. And so the apostle Paul proceeds to lift up before the eyes of the Philippians and ourselves believers the example Lord Jesus Christ. And what kind of attitude did he exhibit? What characterized his behavior toward others? One has summed up the mind of Christ as the sacrificial mind, the, the serving mind, the selfless mind. The Lord Jesus Christ consistently thought of others. and now literally Paul commands the saints at Philippi, "This be constantly thinking in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 2:16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? And here in Philippians 2, 5, the Word of God is exhorting the saints at Philippi. The Word of God is exhorting saints today in the 21st century to allow the mind to dominate and control their lives. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, we read these words, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant who was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In verse 6, we see the preexistence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is God himself. He's eternal. John chapter 1, verse 1, verse number 14, he became a man. The humility and suffering of the Lord... He was, verses 7 and 8, He was obedient to death, even the death of the cross, and then the exaltation. God hath highly exalted Him. He super-exalted Him. And that's found in verses 9 to verse 11. And I absolutely affirm, the Altoona Bible Church absolutely affirms the deed of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He was God manifested in human flesh. He did not sin, and He could not have sinned, because He was God. Philippians 2, 5. Through 11 describes the theological richness concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, the context of Philippians chapter 2 is not doctrinal, it is practical. Some would use this as a proof text for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And absolutely, we agree. But the purpose here is not, to, and, and they're not arguing over the deity, the issue here is what? The, mi- the mind of Christ. We have to understand that. The word reputation means void. All that he has, all that he was and had, he freely gave up and emptied himself until he was void. He never ceased being God during his earthly ministry. The actions of the Lord Jesus Christ in proceeding from heaven to earth to become a man and ultimately his death was documented as an example of the mind of Christ being other-centered. But listen carefully. And again, the, the church at Philippi was not arguing over this. But as strong as it is theologically as profound as it is theologically, and unfathomable as it is theologically, the passage is first and foremost ethical. It has to do with the motivation for Christian living. More than just facts of theology, as great as those facts are. And again, I'd encourage you to reread Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. As I said, the theological richness of this passage is beyond our, our ability to grasp or explain. But as theologically and profound as it is, you will note from verse 5 that the purpose here is an illustration of the proper attitude, the proper mind, the mind of Christ. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The cross was the death of shame. The Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross. This is a tremendous contrast between the first Adam, Adam, Who God created in the last Adam the Lord Jesus Christ, whereas the first Adam was disobedient, the last Adam was obedient. The Lord Jesus Christ, Second Corinthians five twenty one, for He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Speaking of Christ, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. In Philippians chapter two verses nine through verse eleven. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The words highly exalted are a compound word in the original Greek language. It's made of two words, exalted. In the preposition, highly or literally exalted, super exalted. Moreover, in Romans chapter five verse twenty, moreover the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Romans eight thirty seven. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Here you have these compound words. Grace did what? Much more abound. Three words to describe this compound word. Much more the preposition and the word abound. In Romans eight thirty-seven, we are more than conquerors. It's the word conquerors and the preposition sitting in front of it. We are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors. We don't have time right now to study this out, but I encourage you to read Revelation chapter 2 and 3 with the seven churches. Those people had to be overcomers to get something. You're not an overcomer today, folks. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are more than a conqueror. It's a, it's the same word conqueror, but it's sitting in front of it is a preposition more than, highly, super. He super exalted us. He super exalted the Lord Jesus Christ. Where grace did, uh, where sin abound, grace did much more abound. It's super abounded. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're super conquerors through him that loved us. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 9-11 it goes on to say, Every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess. This is a favorite passage of Universalists who claim that the, bow, the bowing of every knee in this universe means that ultimately everyone will be saved. For they will all confess that Jesus Lord. However, this verse says nothing about one being saved or everyone being saved. It says that everyone will have to confess to the Lordship. Even the enemies of God will, be con- will confess and be forced to admit that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. And those people who laugh at the, the concept of eternity, concept of heaven, and they die without the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they're, they're going to utter darkness. But one day... Go back and read those verses of Scripture. Things in earth, things under the earth, that's the unsaved. Things in heaven, those are the believers. will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let's share some examples of the mind of Christ. Let's think of some negative examples. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through verse number 2. This know also, in the last days perilous times shall come. The word perilous means fierce. It means savage. It means hard to understand times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. They'll be lovers of their own selves. There's some, and this is the word for love, not agape. This deals with brotherly love. And then the word self self love, loving oneself. And there are some who would maybe tie in homosexuality to this, and we understand, and and we know, scripturally, homosexuality is wrong. We know the rise of it in our society and the world, but that's not what this verse is talking about. What is this verse talking about? It's talking about the love of self over the love of others. And if if you have the love of self, the love of self is selfish, what are you not doing? You're not loving others. You're not other-centered. You're self-centered. You're not producing the fruit of the spirit. What is the fruit of the spirit? in Galatians five twenty-two. The fruit of the spirit is love. What is love? It's joy. It's peace. It's long suffering. And you're not demonstrating the mind of Christ because you're self-centered and not other-centered. What about Demas? Second Timothy chapter four verse ten. For Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. Departed to Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus to Mal- Dalmatia. Two imprisonments of the Apostle Paul, we explained at the beginning of this message. First Roman imprisonment, you see it at Acts 28, four epistles Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon. Second Roman imprisonment, 2 Timothy 2 9. The Apostle Paul is rearrested. Now he's being treated as an evildoer. His first Roman imprisonment, anyone who wanted to speak to him, the Roman authorities allowed that. Now he's being treated as an evildoer. And that word, evildoers, is the same word dealing with the malfactors of those individuals who were crucified on the left and right hand side of Christ. Luke, Colossians chapter 4, verse 14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Philemon, verse 24, Marcus and Aristarchus and Demas and Lucas, my fellow laborers. Second Timothy, see, some people will say that Demas was unsaved. It doesn't say he forsook God, it doesn't say he forsook Christ. He forsook the apostle Paul. And the word forsake means to leave helpless, it means to leave in straits. Demas did not forsake God, the Lord Jesus Christ. has said he forsook Paul. And you cannot apply first Timothy two, or excuse me, you cannot apply first John two fifteen to Demas. You cannot say that he was unsaved or that he was saved but lost his salvation. What does First John 2.15 say? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The word world in Second Timothy 4.10 and in 1 John 2.15, they are not the same word in the original Greek language. Demas forsook the apostle Paul and he did not forsake the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, who ministered to so many, who had the cares of all the churches, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, is facing Nero. Someone who, need, someone who had been giving encouragement to so many other people now needs to be encouraged. And Demas leaves Paul. It literally signified in the Greek language that Demas forsook Paul. He left Paul in the lurch. Whether he was afraid to associate with the Apostle Paul because he realized that he did and that he was associating with Paul and if Paul was put to death, he could be next, possibly. The testimony is very clear and specific. Demas forsook the Apostle Paul. Demas forsook Paul because he was not demonstrating the mind of Christ. Let's look at some positive examples. And think of the challenges that we have today in our society. What's going on. Truly, with COVID-19, the pandemic, how we, how we can be demonstrating the mind of Christ. Also think, as positive examples, and we see the positive examples in Philippians chapter 2. Timothy and Epapodirus. But I also just want you to go back and read Acts 28 verse 15. The Roman believers. Hear the Apostle Paul goes out and, and he is sent to Rome in Acts 27 and he's on that ship and he has a shipwreck on the island of Malta and then later they carry, they continue their travel and they go so far and it says in Acts 28 verse 15 the believers traveled as far as the Epiphi Forum and Three Taverns and the Apostle Paul then is traveling by foot to Rome And when he sees them, and remember, he's never been to Rome before, but when he sees them, he thanked God, and he took courage. They had an impact. They were demonstrating the mind of Christ by traveling that far to encourage the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 2, and beginning here in verse number 19 to 24, we're not going to read all these verses. We're going to read verses 20 to 22. But it's talking, if you read verse number 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus, send Timotheus shortly unto you. So he's talking about Timothy, verse 20. For I have no man like minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things where Christ Jesus, but you know the proof of him that as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. The words naturally. The word naturally means genuinely, faithfully, sincerely, seek. The word seek is a present tense verb, active voice. The subject of the sentence produces the action of the verb, continually seek. And the word here is also used in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Be careful, It's, it's the same word. Be careful for nothing. Timothy was with Paul, but he was not a prisoner. Timothy ministered to Paul. Paul wants us in the Philippi. The word like-minded literally means equal in soul. I don't have anyone who will care for you as Timothy will. Why? All are seeking their own. They are constantly seeking after their own affairs, their own state. All without exception were striving after, looking for, and searching for their own things. The word of God is not saying they were not saved, but they were not self-sacrificing as Timothy. What was Timothy doing? He was demonstrating the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to verse 30, and we're just going to read verse 25, and then drop down verse. read verse 27. Yet I suppose it necessary to send you, Epapodirus, my brother and companion and labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that he ministered to my wants, my, my needs. Verse 27, For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Epapodiris, a Epapadite, the Greek goddess of love, his name means charming. He's a brother. He's a companion in labor. He's a co-laborer. He's a fellow soldier. That speaks of danger. Epapodirus was chosen by the members of the Philippian church to carry their offerings to Paul. They were entrusting their money to him, showing the church had regard for his honesty and trustworthiness. The words full of heaviness means to be depressed, to be be troubled, full of anguish or sorrow. This word was used in the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, verse 37. Epapodiris was exaggerated. And he was full of heaviness because the Philippians had not heard that he had fallen sick. Epapodiris had become ill, but he did not quit working. The words nigh and the death in the Greek tell us how close Epapodiris was to death, just next door. He and death were next door neighbors. How would, how would you like to have your next door neighbor being death? The words literally alongside of a neighbor, not regarding, to throw aside. Brotherhood. Those who were at risk of their lives. They nursed the sick, they buried the dead. The city of Philippi to Rome is some 800 miles. Remember, Philippi was the western part of Macedonia, the western part of Greece. The Adriatic Sea separates Italy from Greece, healing. Hepapodirus's sickness was a result of his service for Christ. His sickness was so severe that he came near to dying. But God had mercy on him, and Paul was and Paul then we, we understood. God had mercy on him and Paul and then also Epapodiris was restored to health. Why didn't the apostle Paul lay hands on him and heal him instantly? as he did at the cripple at Lystra, Acts chapter 14, verses 8 to 10. Some teach that a Christian should never be sick. They teach that when Christ died, he bore our sickness. They want to go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. When Eve was come, they brought him, brought him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the Spirit with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah says Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's found in Isaiah fifty three verses four and five. Second Timothy chapter four verse twenty. Eratus abode of Corinth, but Trophimus have I led and my him sick. Timothy had a stomach infirmity, but Paul didn't heal him. It's not true that God put away our sickness as the death of Christ. The sins of the war, world were dealt with on the cross, but not sickness and disease. In the dispensation of grace, there's no gift of healing. We, we commit everything to God in prayer. Do we have access to God in prayer? Of course, Philippians 4, 6. Romans 8, 26. God had mercy on Epaphroditus, but Paul didn't heal him. Because we understand that healing in the dispensation of grace has ceased. We have no physical promises. We commit everything to God in prayer. Man does not have that gift of healing today. How, how can we, how can we be demonstrating the mind of Christ? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And then if you continue reading that verse of Scripture in Second Corinthians chapter number 4, we read these words. We talk upon and see in God's Word upon this treasure. Because verse 7 says, But we, we, the believer, has this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is the gospel. The earthen vessels are these frail human bodies. Why? The word that introduces the result clause that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Because what we understand, you want to demonstrate the mind of Christ to the unsaved? Colossians 4 5 says, Walk in wisdom to them that are without. What are they without? Who are they without? They're without Christ. And since they're without Christ, they're without hope. They're without salvation. They're without eternal life. And you understand and realize that we have this treasure. The believer has a treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Because truly what we realize and understand. God God could be sending angels down today. That's not how God's reaching the lost. People need the Lord. How, how How do we reach those people? Through people caring. Loving, demonstrating the mind of Christ. I'm concerned about their salvation. So I share the gospel. I, I, I share the track. Share a gospel track with them. I share what the gospel is. The true gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. The gift of God is not of works, lest any man should boast. Because that's the only way. And that's de- that is absolutely demonstrating the mind of Christ. God Again, as I said, God's not sending angels down to preach the gospel. We know that, Galatians chapter 1. God could have written it permanently in the skies. God who created this world out of nothing could have written it, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's not what God chose to do. God chose to use man, fellow man, to reach man with the gospel of Christ. So that's demonstrating the mind of Christ. What about to other believers? In Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, we read these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Why? The word that introduces the result clause that we, we not, not the missionary, not the pastor, not a counselor, That we may be able to comfort them which were any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforter of God. So as we go through trials and tribulations in our life and we receive that comfort from God, that understanding that God's comforting us through the Word of God, that knowledge and understanding of of God is powerful because we can help other people who are going through any kind of trouble or tribulation, any trouble, the Bible says. By the comfort we receive of God. Well, what happens if we don't receive that comfort of God? If we don't receive that comfort of God, then we can't help those other people then. We need to teach the Word of God by preaching. We need to demonstrate the Word of God by example. We need to look after the needs of others. And think about how different that is. The philosophy of the world would be anything but the mind of Christ. Anything but looking after the needs of others. It would be centered around self. And certainly back in the 1970s, a man wrote a book looking out for number one. And what was, and who was number one? Yourself. Now we know the situation of the world with the coronavirus. How we're told, and, and people are saying, we need to work together. We, we have that in Scripture. And truly during these times of the coronavirus pandemic, we need to be looking out for others, encouraging others, using social distancing, Absolutely. Maybe there's an elderly individual in your neighborhood. Maybe there's an elderly person from, from the church you could contact on the phone. See if there's anything that they need. And then practice that social distancing, but let them know that you, you care upon them. That, that's demonstrating the mind of Christ. And that's what we need to be doing. Not just in times like these, but all the time. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what God wants. Think upon the and I'm just going to read this one hymn to you make me a blessing stanza one says out in the highways and byways of life many are weary and sad carry the sunshine where darkness is rife and making the sorrowing glad the second stanza says tell the sweet story of Christ and his love tell of his power to forgive others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live the third stanza give us what's given you in your need Love is the master loved you. Christ remember, going back to Philippians, the supreme example of being other sinners Christ. And if Christ does not come down and leave the glory of heaven to be made in the likeness of man, all without sin to die for us, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And if he doesn't die for us, if he doesn't become that man, we have nothing. There is no salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The writer of Hebrews tells us. But the Lord Jesus Christ willingly, he demonstrated the mind of Christ to become a man, all without sin, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, that through simple faith and trust in him, we could be saved. So give us to given you in your need. Love as your master loved you. Be to the helpless, a helper indeed, under your mission, be true. And the chorus is, Make me a blessing. May may this be our prayer during these times. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. There's someone you know who needs to be encouraged. Encourage them in the Lord. And another hymn, May the mind of Christ my Savior The stanza one. May the mind of Christ my Savior live in me from day to day. By his love and power controlling all I do and say. The fifth stanza. May I run the race before me strong and brave. Face the foe looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. That's that's demonstrating the mind of Christ. And we can only pray and cry out and say, make me a blessing if we're following what Philippians chapter 2 verses 4 to 5 talk about. I'd like to read those verses again. Look, not every man his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Modern day vernacular, don't be self-centered, be be other-centered. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. We shared some negative examples and we shared some positive examples based on Philippians chapter 2. And again, the Lord Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2 is absolutely the supreme example of being other centered. And we praise God for what He has done for us because the very gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 talks about the preaching of the cross. To them who perish, it's foolishness. But to us who are saved, it's the power of God. And we think what's going on in the world. We want to help others, but we also are mindful. We we see the death toll rising. Rising. It tells us and reminds us of the frailty of human life. Doesn't James tell us that our life is but a vapor? It's here and it's gone. Even if we live to 100 years... Compare a hundred years to all eternity. You're not comparing a hundred years to 10,000 years. You're not comparing a hundred years to a million years. You're not comparing a hundred years to 20 million years. Eternity is without begin, beginning, without end. It's God giving to us its life, His life. Yes, it has a beginning for us, but it will have no end. Absent from the body to be present with the Lord to live on throughout all eternity. Then one day these earthly bodies are going to be changed and fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ died once. He was buried once. He was resurrected and given a glorified body never to die again. And that's a body that we will have. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, as we are bearing the image of the earthy, we shall future bear the image of the heavenly. These bodies are going to be redesigned. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's going to be no blood disease. There's going to be no sin in heaven. Praise God for that. And that's all because of what Christ did for us and God's plan. And the saving gospel of Christ is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not, salvation is not because you're religious. It's not because you attend a church. Though you should be attending a Bible-believing church that teaches the Word of God and teaches the Word of God rightly divided. The only way of salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. People want to add things to that. People want to add religious activities or good works. What does the Bible tell us? Ephesians 9? For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. What's not of ourselves? Salvation. It's the gift of God. It's God's gift to you. And it's not of works as any man should boast. And again, very simply, and there's so many other verses of Scripture, Romans 4.4 4, and 4.5, Romans 6.23, Romans chapter 3, verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Very simply put, when you give a gift to somebody, you you don't give the gift and then at, and that, then put out your other hand and say, well, the gift cost me $50, $100, $200, $1,000. I want the money before you get... Then that's not a gift. Look at the English de- dictionary definition of the word gift. Look at it. Apply, apply it. And again, people... And I say this very sadly. People understand the physical realm. They don't apply it in the spiritual realm. Now they're going to change what the word gift means. Lord Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for you. If you've never trusted Him, you're listening on the radio right now, you've never trusted Him, won't you trust Him right now, right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late. He died, confess that you're a sinner, Christ came to this world for you, He died for your sins, for my sins. Believe on him and God will save you right now and throughout all eternity. And for believers, may we be demonstrating the mind of Christ, not only today during this pandemic, but literally in our lifetime. You have been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church wishing you God's best for now and for all eternity.